Welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you in the wee hours of December 2nd, 2023, as always from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side, which fortunately is not under aerial bombardment. After a week's respite for the so-called humanitarian pause, death is again raining down on Gaza. We were all really hoping the pause would be extended, but we are back to an Israeli military campaign that was rapidly approaching the point of genocide. The death toll already stands at 12,000, according to Gaza health authorities, and the figure may be as high as 20,000 when including the missing, who are likely trapped under rubble. I note that a group called the Center for Jewish Nonviolence is going to be holding a Hanukkah for Ceasefire event at Columbus Circle here in New York City next Thursday, December 7th at 5 p.m. I'm going to try to make that one. The Hanukkah story, of course, is about resisting a siege. How bitterly ironic that in Palestine today, the Jews are the new Greeks, so to speak, the besiegers. Last week, we noted (coughs) President Trump's 2019 executive order that formally adopted the working definition of anti-Semitism drafted by the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, IHRA, which includes in its definition, quote, claiming that the existence of a state of Israel is a racist endeavor, end quote. I now note that the U.S. House of Representatives has passed an amendment to an appropriations bill, ostensibly addressing anti-Semitism on college and university campuses, which also officially enshrines the IHRA definition. The amendment, introduced by New York Representative Mike Lawler, prohibits institutions of higher education from using funds made available under the bill to authorize, facilitate, fund, or otherwise support any event promoting anti-Semitism, quote-unquote, under the IHRA definition, with its accompanying examples. So, I've long since graduated from college, but under this definition, I'm an anti-Semite, because I definitely believe, as should be painfully obvious from its actions at the moment, that the state of Israel is a racist endeavor. The Gaza crisis began in 1948 at the founding of the Israeli state with the driving of some 200,000 displaced Palestinians into the Gaza Strip of a total of some 700,000 Palestinians displaced, driven from their homes by the nascent Zionist armies. That is really when the crisis began, and it has been the failure to face up to this reality 
and make the necessary reparations for the past 75 years that has brought us to this point. And yet, as you all know, if you've been following the counter vortex, I am not among those who dismiss or minimize anti-Semitism or say that we can't talk about it while the bombs are falling on Gaza or that it is a mere specter conjured by Israeli propagandists. Some accusations of anti-Semitism are real. Some are not, which is what confuses the whole moral and intellectual climate and it is incumbent upon us to parse the difference. And the fact that the accusation is being cynically employed while actual anti-Semitism is much in evidence makes it more important that we grapple with the question. So on this rant, we are continuing the discussion. So, uh, I got a call this week from an old buddy of mine in Montana, my good friend Robbie Lieben, a former Brooklynite who has for many years been a key figure in the progressive activist scene in the town of Missoula, in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. And it appears that um, last month, October 21st to be exact, a Missoula-Palestine solidarity march to protest the bombardment of Gaza ran into a separate but simultaneous anti-Israel march by neo-Nazis. Robbie called it a black swan event. Something sinister that just seems to come out of the blue. I read from the account in the Daily Montanan, pro-Palestinian protesters clash with white supremacists in Missoula, one arrested as hate group preaches hatred of Jews. Uh, I should interject that this is a slightly sensationalist headline. There wasn't really a clash, just some taunting back and forth, not a physical clash. To the credit of Robbie and his fellow activists, who seem to have handled well a potentially very sticky situation. Okay, from the text of the article, outside the Missoula County Courthouse, a pro-Palestinian demonstration on Saturday, October 21st, turned tense after a crew of white supremacists arrived. A shouting match started across an intersection between the two groups with police in between, lasting for about 35 minutes before one man from the hate group was arrested. The pro-Palestinian side then left, concerned for their safety. Behind the incidents were hints of a larger political conversation about anti-Semitism versus anti-Zionism. During the confrontation, the white supremacists attempted to unify themselves with the pro-Palestinian group under a shared banner of hatred against Jewish people. In turn, the pro-Palestinian group had to define their stance. 
Uh, I will briefly interject here that I really kind of dislike that antiseptic construction Jewish people. It really is okay to call us Jews, you know. It's fine, really. You have our permission. Continuing. Led by the group Montanans in solidarity with Palestine, Saturday's protest was the second of its kind in Missoula after an event last week. Missoula's anti-war protest that day was just one of several similar gatherings around the world. Approximately 30 minutes into the protest, word began to spread in the crowd that a hate group had been spotted across town at Har Shalom Synagogue. Prior to crowding the sidewalk in front of Har Shalom, the hate group had protested outside the International Rescue Committee, a refugee assistance organization. A rough count of about 24 men were present. According to a statement released later that day by Har Shalom, all the men's faces were concealed behind masks. They held up signs that rejected refugees and claimed a genocide against whites. While the men appeared to be members of a few different organizations, several were from branches of the Active Club Network. Active clubs are local organizations of people who see themselves as fighters who believe that the government is actively plotting against the white race, according to the Anti-Defamation League. We saw shirts identifying club members as the Big Sky Active Club and also the Evergreen Active Club, read the statement from the synagogue. The Evergreen Active Club, I believe, would have been a contingent that came in from uh, Washington State. So uh, some of these people were out-of-towners, it appears. Flyers handed out by the group also indicated a connection to the group White Lives Matter. As the white supremacists and pro-Palestinian demonstrators encountered each other, police kept the two divided between the road That didn't stop a verbal exchange between the groups, which quickly became hostile. From the river to the sea, Palestine will soon be free, pro-Palestinian demonstrators chanted, continuing with their message. One man from the hate group, brandishing a swastika on his chest, yelled back into a megaphone, Hip, hip, Hamas! Hip, hip, Hezbollah! celebrating the Palestinian and Lebanese militia groups, respectively, that have combated Israel. Members of the hate group began gesturing Nazi salutes. Show us your faces, you fucking cowards, yelled one pro-Palestinian demonstrator. Go home, Nazis, pro-Palestinian protesters chanted. No more Nazis. Again, that's from the Daily Montanan of October 24th. Uh, I should comment on this hip, hip Hamas cheer. It is believed by some that the hip in the popular cheer, hip, hip, hooray, stems from a medieval Latin acronym, Jerusalema est perdita, H-E-P, or Jerusalem is lost, which was taken up by the mobs in the notorious Hep 
hip riot in Germany in 1819, the first mass anti-Jewish pogroms of the modern era in which Jewish homes and shops were smashed and destroyed for several weeks, mostly in Bavaria. Now, whether or not this is true, whether there is any link between the hip-hip-hooray cheer and the hep-hep riots, it has become neo-Nazi folklore, and that's what the slogan hip-hip-hamas was a reference to. I think we can be pretty sure of that. I will also note that Nazi enthusiasm for Hamas should not be surprising. I quote the infamous line from the Hamas Charter of 1988, which is still in effect today, quote, Zionist scheming has no end, and after Palestine, they will covet expansion from the Nile to the Euphrates River. When they have finished digesting the area on which they have laid their hand, they will look forward to more expansion. Their scheme has been laid out in the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. End quote. The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, of course, is the famous anti-Semitic forgery about the Jewish plot for world domination created by the Tsarist secret police to help inflame the Russian pogroms and was later taken up by the Nazis as a pillar of their propaganda system. So, as I have stated before, elements of European anti-Semitism have paradoxically been taken up by elements of political Islam in the Arab world. Paradoxically, of course, because Arabs are indeed also Semites. And ultimately, the Nazis didn't and do not mean them any good either. More about this later. A report in the Missoulin newspaper notes that the uh, arrest of one neo-Nazi at the courthouse for disorderly conduct came after he sparked a brief altercation by making racial slurs against a group of Native Americans who were at the pro-Palestinian demonstration. I would imagine Blackfeet or Flathead. Those are the two significant indigenous groups in uh, that corner of Montana, if I'm correct. The Missoula Current reports that um, at their rally, the neo-Nazis carried signs reading, Diversity equals white genocide, as well as refugees not welcome. Uh, the Missoula Current also quotes a local Jewish group saying that one of their members was, quote, subjected to a very frightening anti-semantic rant, quote-unquote, oi, presumably a typographical error. It's anti-Semitic, not anti-Semantic. Appreciate your reportage, but please hire a proofreader, Missoula Current. Okay, and lest you think this was an isolated incident, I note this report from the Daily Beast, November 20th. Neo-Nazis march through Madison. 
A group of masked neo-Nazis marched through the capital of Wisconsin on Saturday afternoon, November 18th, waving swastikas, shouting racial slurs, and chanting, there will be blood, quote-unquote. About two dozen men wearing red shirts that identified them as members of Blood Tribe, a white supremacist group that has been trying to make a name for itself since 2021 by targeting Jews, people of color, and the LGBTQ community, took part in the march in Madison, according to local reports. Footage from the scene showed them standing in formation to perform a Nazi salute while onlookers mostly mocked them and called them disgusting, quote-unquote. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reports that they spent about 30 minutes outside the State House after marching through the state capitol grounds. The group reportedly also stopped in front of a local synagogue and, among other hateful rhetoric, chanted, Israel is not our friend, quote-unquote. Okay, I must interject that on its own, the slogan, Israel is not our friend, may not quite rise to the level of hateful, but that pronoun our is explicitly nationalist, meaning America's friend, and in context, targeting a synagogue while decked out in Nazi regalia, uh, yeah, it's hateful. Okay, next this. November 27th from WFAA in Dallas, Texas. Temple Emanuel Security on high alert after anti-Semitic demonstration nearby. Five people waved a Nazi flag across the street from the Dallas synagogue. Saturday, a Temple spokesperson says, Dateline Dallas. A spokesperson says Temple Emanuel security remains on high alert, quote-unquote, after a hateful demonstration near the synagogue Saturday. Five people stood across the street for about an hour, waving a Nazi flag and holding anti-Semitic signs, the spokesperson confirmed to WFAA. Some wore red armbands with swastikas sewn in. Okay. Uh, The account does not actually quote the verbiage on the signs, but you want to know what? I don't particularly care. Again, in context, it's anti-Semitic, even if the verbatim text was merely anti-Zionist or anti-Israel. Get it? And here is the really twisted irony to all of this. We may assume... It was a similar ultra-right xenophobe who shot three Palestinian youths in Burlington, Vermont, last Saturday, November 25th. A suspect has been arrested by federal agents in the case. Two of the young men are said to be in stable condition, while one sustained more serious injuries. As has now been widely reported, they were walking down a Burlington street, speaking a mixture of English and Arabic, each wearing the kafiyah, the scarf which is a symbol of Palestinian identity, in solidarity with Gaza. And we can imagine 
that they were grateful that they were safe in Vermont when they were shot out of the blue. Authorities are treating it as a hate crime. I note that the night after the shooting, Vermont for Justice in Palestine and other groups, including Jewish Voice for Peace, held a vigil in Burlington to show support for the young men. And I also note that today, Saturday, December 2nd, a similar march is to be held in Rutland, Vermont, under the theme, Hate Has No Home Here. In case anyone in the Rutland area hears this podcast in time and doesn't already know about it. And here is where we get to the really difficult, and for me, personally painful part. So perhaps you heard about this whole kerfuffle in Oakland, California, where on November 27th, the city council passed a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza, which is a good thing. But there's been some ugliness. Area Jewish groups insisted, perhaps as a poison pill to prevent passage of the resolution, that it include a condemnation of Hamas. This was rejected. And in the public comment period, there were at least 10 people who expressed, to one degree or another, sympathy for Hamas, ranging from the somewhat ambiguous to the fiery and dogmatic and very unambiguous. Now, 10 people was a mere fraction of the apparently upwards of 100 who spoke, but there were at least those 10, and we know that because their actually quite bad comments were pasted together in a video by the Bay Area Jewish Community Relations Council, which has gone viral on YouTube under the title Disturbing Anti-Semitism at 1127 Oakland City Council Meeting, quote-unquote. And one Oakland-based commentator named Seneca Scott wrote up an opinion piece about the affair that ran on Newsweek under the title Oakland City Council's Bootlicking for Hamas. This is your brain on woke progressivism. (sighs) Now, I'm not sure that what is said in the video is anti-Semitic exactly, but it is certainly denialist and disturbing. The Hamas fan club is that big in Oakland? Really? I will quote from some of the most egregious speakers on the video. Quote, Calling Hamas a terrorist organization is ridiculous, racist, and plays into the genocidal propaganda that is flooding our media and that we should be doing everything possible to combat. Unquote. Quote, I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. End quote. Quote, the notion that this was a massacre of Jews is a fabricated narrative. Many of those killed on October 7th were killed by the IDF. 
an amendment condemning Hamas is bald propaganda, end quote. Okay, some responses, although one hopes it is obvious. Okay, you don't like the label terrorist organization because it's a propaganda term that has been subject to much abuse. Fine, I get that. How about Hamas is an authoritarian, mass-murdering, clerical reactionary organization? Okay, can we go with that? Then we get, quote, Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance, end quote. No, it isn't. It's a political movement that controls the government of the Gaza Strip and has its own armed wing, the Izadin al-Qassam Brigades, and there isn't any unified Palestinian resistance. Hamas and Fatah, which controls the Palestinian Authority, are open rivals. And there are other political and military entities which sometimes cooperate and sometimes definitely do not, such as the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine on the left and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which is further to the Islamist right than Hamas. So whoever you are who said that, you don't know what you're talking about. Then we've got, quote, a massacre of Jews is a fabricated narrative. Many of those killed on October 7th were killed by the IDF, end quote. Yeah, we've pointed out before how narrative is itself a propaganda word. Nobody ever calls their own view a narrative, only the other guys. And yeah, there have been reports that some Israeli civilians may have been killed in friendly fire by the IDF at the concert that was attacked, but nobody is claiming that this accounted for any significant chunk of the 1,200 who were killed on October 7th. Just stop. And even if the Bay Area Jewish Community Relations Council really did cherry-pick the most egregious cases here, 10 is still too many for comfort. And even if we are to cynically assume that the demand for a line condemning Hamas was intended as a poison pill to kill the resolution, I submit that maybe in a kind of moral jujitsu, as I believe Saul Alinsky put it, the correct move would have been to include a line condemning Hamas in the resolution. And if the Zionists still opposed it, they would have been revealed as hypocrites. Instead, they were given propaganda ammo on a silver platter. Think about it. All that said, I must add that there have been reports of online threats against some of the speakers in the video, and this is also, of course, deeply disturbing. I utterly condemn the threats. Whoever is making such threats is worse than those who speak in the video in terms of their impact on the general climate. Free speech must include the right to be wrong. But there also shouldn't be any equivocation about the fact that they are wrong. Hip hip Hamas, my supposed lefty comrades in Oakland, get the fuck out of here. Happy with your political bedfellows on the Nazi ultra-right Oakland comrades? Yeah, I'm talking to you. 
Okay, just a few other things I want to note before wrapping up. Pulling out for more of an international view. On Thursday, November 23rd, there were anti-immigrant riots in Dublin with widespread looting and shop windows smashed, in case you missed that. In the Netherlands, the far-right xenophobic and ironically named Freedom Party just swept the elections and captured 37 seats in Parliament, and their odious leader, Geert Wilders, may become the new prime minister in nice, liberal, tolerant Netherlands, eh? And I will note that uh, Germany's Department for Research and Information on Antisemitism, RIAS, reported this week that anti-Semitic incidents, quote-unquote, have quadrupled in Germany since the outbreak of the Gaza War, reaching a total of 997 by November 9th. Now, their definition is problematic, also including, for instance, expressions of support for Hamas, which, much as I disagree with it, I don't think is necessarily anti-Semitic. But 140 of those cases are said to have been, quote, violent attacks, including targeted damage to Jewish community centers and residential properties. Frequent methods of attack included marking residential buildings with stars of David or swastikas, end quote. So uh, even if you don't accept their definition of anti-Semitism, this is still bad. So I once again call for some analytical clarity about what anti-Semitism is and what it isn't, and how some activist behavior may be playing into the hands of our worst enemies at a moment when they are becoming frighteningly aggressive. Thank you. To end on a note of hope and go back to where we began, to Missoula, A big congratulations to the activists there who appear to have handled the situation very well, drawing a clear line of demarcation between the Nazis and themselves without succumbing to their provocation. Very good. And in the interest of clarity, I want to correct something I said on last week's podcast. I was comparing the coverage in our local Lower Manhattan paper, The Village Sun, with another area news site, Gothamist, of the October 25th protest at Cooper Union College here in the East Village, which saw some tensions, shall we say, between pro-Palestinian protesters and pro-Israel counter-protesters. Contrary to the implication of what I said in the podcast, the Village Sun did mention the New York Police Department assessment that Jewish students had not been in danger. Both the Village Sun and Gothamist reported that, and in fact, the Sun quoted the police spokesman more fully. I regret the oversight. 
Nonetheless, it should be noted that the quote from the police department spokesman was buried fairly deep in the Village Sun story, which was headlined, Call for Cooper Union President to be Fired for Not Protecting Jewish Students. In contrast, Gothamist, who I did cite as reporting the police response, made it the lead under the headline, NYPD, No Danger to Students During Cooper Union Protest. So this difference in emphasis was the context for my oversight and a legitimate point in its own right. But I was juggling a lot of material and it slipped my mind that both accounts had mentioned the police response. Yes, I did read the Village Sun account in full, and it was my own photos that ran with the story. So, um, sorry about that, Village Sun. Once again, regret the error. I do take accuracy seriously, which is why I'm running this correction. And finally, a shout-out again to my buddy in Missoula, Robbie Lieben who uh, I want to point out has been a Patreon supporter of the Counter Vortex since we launched the podcast four years ago. So, big thank you, Robbie. But I shouldn't have to rely on real-life friends to support this project. We seem to have plateaued out at 60 Patreon supporters and we have got to get significantly past this plateau if I am going to continue to produce at this level of activity. As I feel compelled to do by the urgently dire state of the world, not that I have influence to speak of on world affairs, but I'd like to think that I have at least a little influence on discourse within the American left. So, if you appreciate what I have to say, even if you don't always agree with it, please sign up to support the Counter Vortex on Patreon to the tune of either $1, $2, or $5 per weekly podcast, like our pal and frontline activist Robbie in Missoula, okay? Patreon.com slash CounterVortex. This has been Bill Weinberg with the CounterVortex. Check us out online at CounterVortex.org, where everything I've been ranting about tonight is fastidiously blogged up, documented, and hyperlinked. Please support us on Patreon. Join the CounterVortex. Join the resistance. And rant on you next time.